Hey everybody, it's the Keychains Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Ryan. And so we got to actually play some games together this week, Ryan. We did. We finally got to actually play once more. <laughs> I, th- I think it's been a while since you and I actually like sat down and played together. Uh, yeah. And just kind of happened to work out when we were playing last week that you and I both had a seat available after a couple of our games. So we just sat down and beat on each other for two games we did fun. it was friend again yes no one made think, it out alive i think one deck did not make it out alive the other <laughs> one i think was fine we burned it in the parking lot uh no this is the penalty for failure um yeah it was it was fun i really did enjoy that i got to play around with my new uh ultimate guard uh, uh what, i don't even remember the name of the thing now hang on let me find it is it the archive no i don't know i actually don't even heard that one <laughs> no the archive is one of the ultimate guards that's the one that's 400 plus cards uh it was a super hive there was the super hive 550 so i got the brand well not brand new but uh a friend of ours was very kind and gifted me one of those uh ultimate guard super hive 550s and that thing is sweet it carries all my tokens it carries every deck i own even like the unsleeved ones can like fit along the top with the sleeve decks, which is super cool. He actually pointed that out to me because I was like, "Oh no, I ran out of room." And he's like, "No, just take all the ones that you haven't opened and just like lay them across or line them across the top." And I was like, "Oh, that's super awesome." So yeah, so that thing was super rad. That's cool. It's funny, like if so many decks and you only have like three or four games in a night, it's like why why are you breaking so many decks? But at uh, the same time, I never know what I want to play. So I'm like, I need all of them. I need every deck. Yeah, I th- I think that's kind of my my feelings too. I I think the other thing that I might end up doing is I might get one of the smaller boxes and just yeah. put a couple of them that like if we're going to like a tournament or something where it's going to be like Archon adaptive or something like that, uh bringing you know, I only need to have 3 decks, so I don't need to necessarily bring that whole thing and that would get really annoying lugging around in an event. Um but yeah. when it comes to uh you know game night or whatever uh it's just fun to bring those decks and or just bring them all and if you want to share with somebody else or say hey you know why don't you give this deck a shot uh you can do that makes sense to me i don't know what i'm going to do about gen con thinking about it if i'm going to bring that big boy or if i'm going to bring something smaller i might just bring the whole shebang and i mean you could and then leave some in the hotel room yeah and then oh yeah and just migrate them over i guess just like use that for transport yeah and just migrate into a smaller thing yeah, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out which of my decks I like and which of my decks I don't. And then despite how much I like or dislike a deck, which ones are actually good. <laughs> so one of our games featured. So I've been uh, as, as kind of silly and ridiculous as it sounds. Uh, I've been going through um, and just playing games against myself. I'll just take two of the decks and try to make objectively you know, tactical decisions based on the board state. As opposed to knowing, you know, since I actually know what's in both hands, trying not to take that information into account. Um, and the my Richard the Scaled deck has been just crushing everything. It's just such an unassuming deck. Um, yeah, I think was. that was actually one of the ones I played against too. And our friend again. Yeah, that that deck is rude. It's but it's not. It's unassuming. It's like it's like Clark Kent. It's just like oh yeah, that's cool, that's cool. And then he like pops out of the phone bot, uh, the the phone booth, and he's just like, what's up? I got three keys. Yeah, it. Every time I've played against you with that deck, it's the thing that I found with that deck is you definitely have situations where 
your deck has turns where it generates a ton of amber in one turn and then it has you know when when you forge then you have this turn where you're just controlling the board again until you can slam down a bunch of amber again yeah. like it it's really it's like mini bursts it's like three four at a time then control turn. it's like burst turn control turn burst turn control turn it's weird yeah, like seeing I, it just work like that. And there's been there's games where it was like a key behind, and the uh, the opponent had like six or seven ember, and then it just like came right back and forged a key out from uh, from underneath them and stole the game. It was ridiculous. It had the other the opponent had like I think ten creatures out, and it had like one. It just like still came back and won. It was just a surprisingly solid deck. And then between the th- two miasmas that deck has and yeah. the too much to protect, like yep. you can turn off. That's like turning off three turns right there for somebody. Yeah. Well, and then there's there's an old Bruno. There's relentless whispers. There's you know there's there's just a lot of like death by a thousand slightly medium sized cuts. Yeah, I, yeah. The the untamed side's pretty gross too with the witch of the yep. eyes, and then you have way of the bear and way of the wolf in that deck. Yep. Now that, that I mean, it does actually contribute a lot to that control element because now you have now you can put a skirmisher out there that could be anything, and then like has a mantle of the week as well, so you can drop the mantle of the week on something that has way of the wolf on it, and now you just have this like or masses asp like it has that, so there's your combo right there. But yep. wait, well, I mean, masses asp already has skirmish, so I guess maybe that's not the best. No, play. but the mantle mantle allows it to go every turn. So God, mantle's so rude with that masses asp. I mean, if it's got a big twig, so you can put mantle on big twig, and now you're reaping and stunning every turn. Yep, it's just it's just a lot of rude little mini synergies that all come together really well. So I'm I'm my my concern is that you know our our meta isn't necessarily top tier tournament level meta, and not that it you know there's and everyone's running around with terrible decks, but like I'm I'm interested to see how it does, uh, and maybe one of these days I got to just go on a, a crucible bender and play a bunch of games in the competitive rooms and see how it does um because it, it does have its flaws it doesn't have any way to deal with artifacts it doesn't have um, mass removal so if someone gets like a really lockdown controlly board state then it's gonna have an uphill battle from there but it'll be interesting to see kind of what it does yeah it's like poison wave is like your closest option there and that's right two damage not... so it's not <laughs> not I mean, you need to have beaten down a lot of things beforehand yeah, I mean, it so. does also have Mighty Lance in it, which is is an action you play uh, deal three to uh, deal three damage to a creature and then three to a neighbor of that creature. I mean, so that's not that's not bad, but we we just named we've rattled off like 10 card names. I like how now you're like, oh, we probably describe one of these. <laughs> I think a lot of the people who are listening to us have an idea of what Miasma and and uh, too much oh, no, Protect do at this point. Seeing I mean, as I uh, guess. I gave the name of the deck, so if you want to go, it's Richard the Scaled, and yeah. uh, you can just look it up, and the cards that are in it are right there. Along I mean, with I feel like Mighty Lance is just one of those cards that, yeah, not, like not a ton of people have seen. Mighty Lance is solid. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's surprisingly solid. Yeah, it's just a, it's just an all around workhorse. Yeah. So we also learned very very quickly that uh, making sure that you're only manipulating your own Ember t- tokens. Uh, <laughs> While playing together is probably a uh, a smart idea. Since yeah, that so you bought I, that new starter set. <laughs> I know. I just talked last fixed. episode about how like I thought it was funny. Oh, I got this new starter set. Now I've got my own Ember tokens. And then I go and I play one time with it. And I'm like, oh, I hate the fact that I have my own Ember tokens because 
like if I'm capturing from my opponent, I got to remember that I captured from them. Or if I steal from them, I have to like, well, no, uh, I want to take my ember and I'll put yours away. But you got to make sure you do it the same for both of them. Because what I don't want to do is walk out at the end of the night with like five extra ember tokens that I've uh, inadvertently taken from someone else and have them short on their ember supply. Um, so I got I to make the the change and um find an alternative ember token um which i think i I have a couple options floating around the house so i'll I'll grab one of those but i think you steve have come across your own alternative yeah i did the thing that i said i was going to do last episode and i i just bought all of the strategic dino stuff that i felt i needed (laughs) i didn't replace all of my things with strategic dino stuff don't worry steve eventually i'll get there (laughs) Uh, but I ended up picking up the, oh boy, I picked up the unique Amber Shards because I really just, I just liked the way they look. He did such a good job on those. And I know I'm just sitting here like pumping him up again, but uh, he just does a fantastic job. Uh, I bought the stun tokens and the power tokens because I just got tired of the cards and I just don't want to wait till Age of Ascension to, to get the new tokens. And then I bought the, the keys because I just love those things, so. Yeah, it's fair enough. Well, and it's it's okay that we're plugging Strategic Dino here because uh, if you caught our last episode, you know that we had a giveaway. Uh, as of the time of this recording, it's still going. We've got some retweets on uh, Twitter for it. And we're going to be doing another giveaway at the end of this episode for the other uh, tokens that he provided with us. So stay tuned to the end and we will be giving you more information about how you can win some of that as well. Yep. And this one's just all stun tokens. So uh yep. they they look great i uh yeah once we get this settled up i'll get those uh shipped out so that'll be awesome so speaking of winning things such as prizes steve what have we heard from fantasy flight games uh a bit actually finally uh, uh well that was rude <laughs> <laughs> hey no you know it's fair they're they're you know it's a new game it's their uh, they're a small fly-by-night company and uh you know <laughs> I think it's just like by the by my meaning finally is the the vault tour stuff's been talked about so much it's kind of finally nice to see what exactly they're looking at yeah why are we why are we playing why are we attending these events besides just playing keyforge which you know is is a good incentive but not an incentive to fly across the country necessarily so what's what else are we get what's our swag for this uh so I think that we've seen a lot of it and I think we've talked a lot about the the different things that you possibly could run into during uh, uh during these events uh you know they've kind of hinted at certain things uh so a lot of the things that they've hinted at were the house themed uh chain cards which we've seen a bit uh but these are not the, the ones that they were showing off in the uh op kits that you can get these actually are like Voltu or branded ones which have like dual or tri arts on them which is really cool uh so a couple of them they have the time traveler help from future self split card that then has like the vault tour logo on it looks really really cool uh they have the different skulls from uh brobnar on one of them uh there's a couple of mars ones and then there's a a shadows one as well uh it it just looks like there's the shadows one looks like it's fagan umbra and urchin on it and don't know what these cards are from mars so i apologize but (laughs) <laughs> There's definitely a Mars one there too. So the other thing that they're pulling up are deck boxes as well, which I don't think, I think this might've been hinted originally, but they didn't really show anything uh, until now. And those look really, really cool. There's a time, like same kind of deals, the same arts 
uh, on those where there's a time traveler one, you know, there's an Umbra one. They also have the Vault Tour branding on them, which also has like the year associated with it. So that's kind of like a cool, like ah, I went to a Vault Tour this year and oh. got these fun things. That's cool. I didn't realize that. So it's, yeah, it's like a souvenir kind of thing. That's really cool. Yeah. So then the, the one thing that they've also, they talked about in which, you know, a lot of the OP kits have these uh, as prizes as well. Uh, is they're doing playmats, but these are specifically Vault Tour branded playmats. So same concept where they have like the dual try art. Um, but the one neat one that they have is they have a horseman one that has all four horsemen kind of segmented off in this really cool pattern. And then right in the center is the Vault Tour logo. So that looks super cool. Yeah, it does. So the other thing that they're doing to kind of go along with this is I'm guessing if you have a lot of ember or if you have enough ember for this, you can get all three of a house. So you get the playmat, the deck box and the chain tracker card all in one shot, uh, which is super cool. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if they'll do any kind of like if you get all three, it's slightly cheaper than getting them individually. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I would imagine. Well, no, they they definitely said they're doing sets. I don't know what the cost oh, yeah. difference would be. Uh, that, so that's that's, I guess, one good clarifying thing here is they haven't really said anything about like what the conversion rate is going to be. Uh, my hope is that it's kind of like one shard. Like this is me speculating. So don't take this as like face value. But this is just what what my I guess my very bad logic, my very, very bad economics brain is going to to assume. But I, what I'm assuming is like the conversion rate is going to be like a, an amber shard probably would equal like a dollar because I feel like I mean, this is In me being of... incredibly hopeful, but like, yeah, like 25 amber shards getting you a playmat, you know, 25 bucks. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, are they is it I guess? Yeah, I guess you would do shards and not keys. They have said amber shards when it comes to purchasing things. Right. So that, um, that makes sense then. Yeah. So so I don't know. I don't necessarily know what the keys are for. I don't at least I've, I haven't seen anything. If someone has I think seen it's just something, a tracking mechanism, it might be. I don't know. It might absolutely be. I, I just don't know yet. Um, if someone does have uh, can point out where they might have heard something about what the keys are for, uh, definitely shout out at us because uh, I'd, I'd be interested to know. There are there's one other play mat that they're going to put up, which is like a learning play mat, which has uh, which is a thing that I kind of do really, really like, like one of my few like uh, one of my play mats that I rotate every now and then into our magic play is a one uh, is a mat that actually has like all the different zones laid out for you uh, just because like it's aesthetically pre- pleasing to my brain. Uh, so they have one that'll have like a space for your identity card, your deck, the discard pile, the three keys, and then your battle line, and then kind of like a you know no man's land area for artifacts and and whatnot. And that's also Vault Tour branded with a bunch of card art on it and things like that. Um, they're also doing metal keys. So I mean we've seen the metal keys uh, that came in the OP kits. Uh, these will be Vault brand Vault Tour branded. So <laughs> these will also be Vault Tour branded keys. Um, which would be pretty cool. Uh, then they have the kind of usual fare of hoodies, t-shirts, uh, baseball caps, beanies, uh, and like a messenger bag. Like those are, I mean, I'd expect that. Like that seems like stuff that you definitely have on a prize wall. Uh, but then we start getting into the weirder things. And I don't actually think that this is where this all ends. Uh, they at least hinted. That this is not where it all ends, so we'll see. 
yeah in the um in the latest crucible cast uh they had the uh and i feel awful because i can't remember his name now and i should have put it in the show notes but uh in the last crucible cast they talked about um the organized play guy was talking about how they're going to be constantly evaluating new prizes and new swag and what they're going to put on the prize walls um so i expect that in addition to just different kinds of art and different configurations of play mats uh we'll also see just different stuff period it was alex by the way alex thank you all right so <laughs> alex uh so yeah so the weirder things that that are coming into this is um and these are not final either so they are releasing uh gamer chairs uh which they are uh i can't remember the name of this the brand of this company it looks familiar i don't know if this is the actual branded uh branded version of these chairs but they are keyforge branded uh, but they are the high back rolling chairs that use the uh, rollerblade wheels as the bottom wheels for your for the chair. Um, and they generally have like the house color. Well, at least the one example that they've put up is one that has like a Sanctum logo in the in the headrest part. And then it's like a black and yellow chair from there, uh, which is neat. I don't know how many amber shards that's going to cost. But uh, if I mean you think about the if if we go back to that uh conversion rate that i just made up if you're talking a dollar per amber shard uh let's see i'm gonna do some fast math here i can't imagine that they're going to be like the titan chairs that are like 450 bucks so let's just say 700 uh, 70 amazon's got a gaming chair for 80 bucks i i feel bad i'm doing this math because that doesn't make (laughs) sense but uh if you think about that like a, a dollar per per deck uh, if we're doing that uh, conversion rate, you're talking like <laughs> if we're just talking about through buying decks, eight hundred bucks, right? Is that like yeah. ten dollars a deck, right? Yeah. So if so you... it's like it's like trying to play skee ball to win a gaming chair. Like it's not a great exchange rate. Uh, but I mean, you it's the difference there is like you can get amber shards without really Even... paying money. Even at like two or three dollars worth of value per ember shard, like that's still, that's still a sweet deal for uh, <laughs> for fantasy flight games. Yeah, I, I mean, we're it's all yet to be seen. Like this is just us speculating. Yeah. Like I, I it, that just seemed to be like based on the the prizes that they were giving away. Like it seemed to be like the easiest things you could do. Although a lot of people were saying, uh, going to uh, certain events, like you're able to net at least six amber chainbound yeah i mean chainbound events even though you're like local gaming store chainbound events give you amber shards so i don't know i i honestly we our uh, rl just had a little bit of trouble trying to get their their gem software downloaded and installed and everything so we're still trying to work with them to get chainbound stuff hosted so i don't know firsthand how many amber shards you get for participating um but even if it's just one per event you could conceivably be getting six or seven of those a week if you keep bouncing between stores yeah so i mean that plus the decks that you buy i mean you could be you could be up there on ember shards by the time you end up going to a vault tour so i think that a dollar ascribing a dollar value to each shard is not unreasonable um, given how many shards people could potentially get yeah i mean it it definitely sounds like if you want to get the things you can like the avenues of getting the things are are there without having to you know spend a ton of money to do so but even still again like i said don't take anything like take everything that we just said about like the ember shard economy with a grain of salt 
just us speculating. So with there, there, I think there was one more too that we didn't mention. Yes, there is. Uh, this one is probably the most ambitious one. It's definitely weird, but not in a bad way. It's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, it, it just it it feels ambitious. Um, yeah. So the the last thing that they're they're they've announced that they're doing. Um, which there's no images of this there. It's just, it was all just mentioned off, uh, you know, in the, in the article that they posted is uh, a game table from geek, uh, geek tables. Uh, I had actually not heard of them before. So when I saw this, I went and looked them up. They're a UK based company, uh, that they do ship worldwide. So, so don't let that, uh, <laughs> don't let that, uh, scare you away. At least, uh, Based on what I've seen, they are yeah uh, yes. I'm not gonna attempt to pronounce it because I will get it wrong, because I'm from New England and that is Worcester, so it's Worcestershire uh, Shire. No Worcestershire. Shire Shire. Well, you know what, <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm not Worcestershire, like the sauce. I, yeah, I guess it's that's fair. probably exactly how it's pronounced. It. I'm sorry, our UK <laughs> listeners. I apologize. I do know that Darby, uh, Derbyshire is what it's called in in the Midlands there. So I do know that. <laughs> you got one. I got one. You're a one one for two. Uh, oh no, Notting. It is not Nottingham. It is Nottingham. So that's the other thing yeah. that I know. I learned that from Robin Hood. That's fair. Uh, I learned that there because a lot of people yelled at me when I was there. Uh, <laughs> Trial by fire. So so yeah so i mean it's exciting it's exciting stuff to see it it's definitely there were some things in there like that i was like yep yep okay 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 that's sure and then i was like wait what (laughs) you know so like the gaming chair and the the game table was definitely like moments of like okay these are probably not prizes i'm ever gonna see who knows maybe i might maybe i might so might go for it but i could see i could see i think that my my order of like if i if i went to an event and stuff was going to get sold out the order i'd expect to see it get sold out in is metal keys play mats deck boxes um and then maybe a tie between some of the apparel maybe like the the messenger bag might be neat and uh and the chain tracker cards probably a tie between those two um and then game chairs uh and then gaming table would probably be the last thing to sell out yeah i, I mean i don't i think that the chain tracker cards are going to be so like that's like such a easy in for them and it's going to be super popular say what you will but like it's going to probably be the easiest thing to get and it's also going to be like hey it's just this cool thing that i can bring to my you know my lgs when i go back home or whatever you know what though i don't like tracking chains on a card like the the whole the whole point of not using dice in this game is that they're too easy to bump and change the number change the value which is a very important number and chain tracker cards seem to fly in the face of that where you have just a little cardboard token on top of a card and that can get slid and get bumped like super easily and chains are really important like the difference between two chains and three chains can like win or lose the game uh potentially so i did have one idea that i wanted to attempt but i just don't think i have the time to do it uh, is I was going to use my 3D printer to print out a change tracker card holder because like the art is so nice like I want to be able to to see that art uh, on the new on the 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 Voltour cards and the OP cards you know it'd be nice yeah, to, it's a shame not to use them to yeah it would be yeah, exactly it'd be a shame not to so I wanted to have like a way that you could slide the card in there and then you'd still be able to see the art and then you just move like a 
you move like a, one of those you know educational cubes that you've been using for Amber for a while and just move those along that track. But uh, right. so, but the the real idea it here is uh, using clear acrylic because then you could really pull that off uh, because right because like clear PLA on three D printers still doesn't necessarily come out like clear. It, it, it well at least the PLA that I've used and. I'm sure that you could probably, you know, there's some sort of material out there that that probably will do exactly this. Just like I think the assembly aspect of putting um, clear acrylic together to make that change tracker card holder would be super cool. So free idea to anybody with a 3D or a laser cutter. <laughs> with, with the wherewithal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the desire to do cool. it. Because there's a lot of other change trackers um, out there. I know that... Uh, like some of them are dials, um, some of them are like almost abacus looking. Um, so there's there's other options too if you don't want to go the uh, the chain card route. Yeah, but definitely. like you said, they're they're great art. They're really cool, unique cards. You you win it or you earn it through your ember shards, and it's a shame not to be able to really use them. I mean, obviously you can use them. They're tournament legal. You're totally allowed to use them. But I just I wouldn't trust it. You know, if my if my opponent had one and this is not a friendly game like well i guess every game is supposed to be friendly but if if there was something on the line in the game uh, i'd be concerned with them using those chain cards not because i would i would worry about them um like cheating or anything uh but like just bump the table someone walks by someone puts their drink on the table a little firmly and you know it can shift just enough to be like was i on four or was i on three and you know it would really suck to to have a game end in a way where that that one chain made a difference right then you don't get that purity of the the real you know how the game should have gone side tangent uh i've gotten really really good at remembering my chains and a lot of people who have been talking about chains uh say that the way that they remember is they put the whatever they're using to track their chains right on top of their deck so so they can just they when they have to move that before they they draw cards, draw card, right? Yeah. So I, I've been using damage counters and I put the number of chains I have in damage counters on top of my deck. And then that way, like you said, when I go to draw a card, I, you know, remove one, draw the uh, one less cards every time. So what I had been doing is I put the change tracker card. So I, I flipped where my discard pile and my deck were. So before I would always have my discard pile on the right hand side of the deck. And then now what I've done is I've moved that discard pile to the the left hand side of my deck. And then I put the change tracker card right on the right hand side of my deck. So when I go to look to draw the card, my, the, my, because I'm right eye dominant. So it, that helps is the moment I look to the right, the first thing I see before I draw a card is that change tracker card. So I'm like, so oh, you, so I draw my cards and then I push down one. So you have your you have your setup set up the change card because I don't know if you keep your deck on your right or your left, which changes literally the opposite of what you said. It does. So you have your you have it set up so that your chain it goes you as a person, your chains card, your deck, your discard. Pile. Nope, the other way around. So it is my other way around because it I put so my the deck furthest thing away from you. Yeah. So is the dis- yes. Oh, okay. Is the yeah, gotcha. so so it's my my discard pile, my deck, my chains tracker card. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Because because the moment I look down, like my head's going right towards that that general area, and then I just see right. that oh, I have chains. Right, I remember I cast you know, heated or no, gateway to disc, and so okay, move that yeah. down. And I mean, 
you know, whatever works for you. Yeah, no, it's been working great, actually. It's just, yeah, I get why people want to have that, like, physical action to remember to move that thing before they draw their cards. Um, yeah. But this has been working out for me just fine. Yeah, makes total sense. So, speaking of Alex, uh, to circle all the way back to when we mentioned Alex's name probably like 10 minutes ago, <laughs> uh, he didn't ask me anything on Reddit, huh? And so he did. I actually had uh, I did not have enough time to go through all of this. So uh, I, I've read through a good majority of the, the preparation material that you provided me. Uh, but uh, I, so a lot of this I'm still trying to like process through. So I'm going to let you run away with this. So Alex didn't necessarily answer every question, but he answered all the ones that, um, you know, I'm sure that he could or that he had answers to. I'm sure there's a lot of things that he couldn't really speak about. You know how gaming companies or companies in general kind of play their uh, their cards close to their chest. Um, but um, yeah, where <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, you know, there's there's announcements that are going to be coming up. There's things that aren't 100 percent confirmed yet. So some questions you just can't necessarily answer. Um, so that having been said, we're I, I, kind of picked uh most of the ones that got answered i left a few out um but uh I, I tried to pick the ones that that seemed like they have more of a news element something that that we might not have expected um i don't have these verbatim uh, and i don't have the usernames um mostly because i did not have a ton of time <laughs> to do so um but we'll just jump right into these so someone asked um they, they don't think they can make vault tour events. So would there be any way that they can spend their Emperor shards on prizes at non vault tour events? Is there going to be anything for that? Um, and Alex said, yes, there will be some non uh, vault tour events that will have prize options available. Um, he did not say all non vault tour events. He didn't specify which non vault tour events. He didn't specify what prize options, but you're like, it, you definitely got the impression that it was, at least there would be something for those folk that might not be able to make it to a, a legit vault tour event. So my question, which is pretty cool. So my question here is, are are they allowing you to spend amber shards, or is this yes? Okay, so so this is specifically yes, that was part of the, the question. The, the the like that prize vault, but maybe not with the vault tour branded stuff in it maybe or maybe some of the vault tour branded stuff i mean it's it's a, it was it wasn't so specific in terms of exactly what was going to happen but the question was essentially hey i'm gonna have all these ember shards and i can't get to a vault tour event what the heck am i supposed to do with these things and there will be options for you so if you're in a similar situation maybe your schedule doesn't line up and you can't get to these things or maybe none of them are anywhere near you um it sounds like ffg is going to try to do something that will allow you to spend your ember shards uh it would be cool if there would be a way to do that online as well maybe not for vault tour stuff maybe some alternate things um maybe you have to pay cash for shipping on top of it but it would be it would be nice to, for folks that can't necessarily get out to these events to be able to do them or maybe you get out to an event and the stuff that you wanted is sold out and there's no other event that's going to be anywhere near you it would be cool if there was um a what they're going to be doing where there's non-vault tour events that you might be able to pick stuff up at but b Maybe they can do something online, like an online shop where you can redeem stuff. That would be super cool, especially after the the vault. You know, the I, I don't know if they're going to rotate these on a yearly basis, probably of like a season or something. But um, after one kind of ends and they go into the next tour, it would be cool to be able to buy some of the older stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm fully expecting that with the kind of express interest in having an online store that you can redeem these and they'll figure out some sort of solution eventually. I mean, it 
it, it is a little bit it's a little bit rough to try to expect people to get these shards you know kind of get this reward for playing the game and then not really you know and then they're like well i don't live anywhere near indianapolis so there's no way i'm making it to gen con unless i'm going to gen con you know like right. it, or you know these these events in georgia or the ones in toronto and stuff like that like it's just that's tough so so i do think that yeah. that at some point they 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 have to be at least talking about it i don't I, there's no way that they're not right well and uh, even from a, just an economic standpoint this is the equivalent of in-game currency and you you want to kind of make sure you have ways to take that currency out of the uh out of the public out of the, the players uh out of the players hands and if you have players that can just sit there and, and hoard these not deliberately but just for lack of purchasing options available to them then they're going to show up and be like yeah i'll take two gaming tables please and you're gonna be like oh we we're not planning on that <laughs> and now you're in a little bit of a tight yeah. spot or they can just create a, create a rush on something, which I guess is maybe a good problem to have in a way. But if they come in and they clear out something uh, and if they finally do make it to a vault tour and they can wipe out like all of the play mats, then you're going to have dissatisfied customers. And that's not a great thing either. You know, one person walks away with every play mat, which I guess would be a weird thing for that person to do. But I guess, right. I mean, you never know. Yep. Um. So it'll it'll be really interesting to see what kind of uh, alternatives they have outside of Vault Tour, outside of non Vault Tour events as well, and just you know what they're going to do from there. So uh, the next question, um, we talked about this a little bit last episode, I believe, because we did hear information about it, or maybe we just had a side conversation. I can't remember now. Everything's blending. No, together. we definitely did talk about this. Okay, uh, we talked about this in our Age of uh, Age of Ascension episode. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, that's right. I remember now. Um, so someone asked, what is the future deck legality for old decks? Is there going to be a rotation? Are they going to be able to use these things in tournaments? Is there going to be some sort of split thing where you have old decks and you have new decks and they can't necessarily play in the same events? Uh, and they said, no, absolutely not. Their intention is for all sets to remain legal in perpetuity. So you get a Call of the Archons deck and you uh, go to a tournament, you're fine. Six years later, you're at a store and you see they have a dusty Call of the Archons box up there. You pick it up, you sit down and participate in the Chainbound event, and you're good to go. It doesn't matter that it's six years old at that point. You're going to be good no matter what. And their idea is that stronger decks will get chains and kind of get pushed out of playing. Um, I'm really interested to see what they do about, like, time will chains expire over time if i go to a couple tournaments rack up some chains on my deck the new set comes out i shelve my deck and then you know a year later I'm like oh you know i haven't played this deck in forever i'd like to take it somewhere is it still going to have the same chains it had originally when i stopped playing it or will they fade after a certain amount of time are they going to ever have or have like a reset button um which would have been a fantastic question to ask in this ama if i had thought about it then <laughs> so I still have to wait for the next one. Yeah, I can't imagine that this, this is the <laughs> last, you know, AMA that Alex is going to do. Right. Maybe I'll just throw something at them on Twitter and cross my fingers. I mean, they've been actually pretty responsible about stuff. So, I mean, it's yeah. probably not a terrible idea. Absolutely. Um, so that's really cool, though, that you you could have this weird uh, sealed meta where you, you can almost do like a, a chaos sealed where everyone just you get like a big grab bag of a ton of different sets boxes from different sets and it's a luck of the draw as to oh, excuse me as to which one you get yeah it'll be that would be really interesting unless there's a set that is just universally panned as awful and then you'd be like oh man i hope i don't get that one <laughs> i would then get that one they kind of have to do that well i mean I, they, I guess they don't have to do anything but 
the with their commitment to reprinting cards throughout other sets, they do have to maintain that legality in some capacity, right? right? Like, and then yeah, they definitely don't want you feeling well, could, bad about your purchasing. You know, they could make it really obnoxious and be like, okay, only decks because um, it's you can't have you don't have it constructed so it's not like you can say okay well time traveler is legal because it was reprinted in the most recent set like no it's just you can only use time traveler if your deck contains time traveler and you can only use your deck if it's from the last two sets that came out and that would be they could do that i mean that would be meh but i i much prefer their idea of like nope we are just going to make everything legal for all time no matter what and like it'll i think that will help police uh power creep to an extent because they're always going to be balancing against their older sets um and it'll be interesting if they get to the point where there is kind of unintentional power creep where they say oh you know what um turns out that like witch of the eye was good but not like super overpowered so maybe we'll make a witch of the eye that has four power on it um and then, like, how will those with that if that natural power creep happens? What will happen to those older decks? Will they be maybe not retired officially, but functionally? Right. So it'll be it'll be interesting. And then, obviously, nothing set in stone. You know, a year from now, two years from now, they could be like, okay, guys. So uh, our design philosophy has changed so substantially that older decks are not really they don't really have the same place. Uh, so we're going to have to say there's a there's like a legacy version of the game that incorporates all of those decks and then a more you know more modern version of the game that is just from this particular point in the game's history onward so i hope they don't i hope they don't get to that point because if they get to that point the game will be miserable by necessity in order to make that decision the game will have to be miserable for at least a little while to make them make that decision so i I hope they don't get to the point where that's necessary because that would be yeah That'd be poopy. So I asked, uh, will there be updated materials and guides for marshals and judges in terms of rules and fractions guides? I'm really interested in marshalling judging events. Um, I think it's really it's really cool. It's something I didn't really get much of a chance to do with magic. Didn't really have time or anything. It's a very involved process for magic. Uh, and there's a lot of rules involved with magic. And I just, I don't know, man. I don't necessarily have the head for it. <laughs> Uh, or the time. Um, but I'm really interested in it for Keyforge. And so I was really curious, like, hey, if your opponent accidentally draws an extra card, what is their intention for you to handle it? You could do it a couple different ways. Uh, Magic has their way of doing it. I'm sure other games have their way of doing it. So I really wanted to know, like, is there any material that that tells us how they intend for these things to be dealt with uh, when they come up in competitive play? Um, and they, they said that they're working on their what they call their fundamental event document, uh, which is basically going to be what I was asking for. At least I hope. They didn't really clarify exactly what's going to be in it, um, but I imagine it's probably what I'm looking for. I imagine they're probably going to, if they're going to use that across all of their card game right. uh, stuff. I mean, like not, I don't think this will be Keyforge specific necessarily. I think that'll. Because I think Marshals and Judges is universal between all of their their uh, organized play. Right. From what I've seen, it is. But they can't, obviously, some of the stuff can't be universal i imagine as much of it that can be universal will be universal so they'll kind of copy and paste for like sections that apply to every fantasy flight card game uh and then they'll have a secondary section that's keyforge specific um legend of the five rings specific uh game of thrones specific netrunner 
that stuff. That's fair. So it'll be interesting. Uh, well, to... You just brought up a sore spot there. <laughs> hey, man, they have competitive Netrunner. No, they don't well, anymore. It did exist at one point in history. <laughs> <laughs> um, both the original and the remake. That's, that is true. Um, so, so that's cool. So it'll be interesting to see exactly not only like what they're going to do with it, uh, but when it's going to come out in terms of like in the vault tour, I mean, the vault tour events are supposed to be a little more casual, but still um, like what their, what their intention is for it and what the actual uh, things, <laughs> what the actual decisions are going to be um, within the document itself. Uh, right. And we uh, we'll we'll get to it a little bit later, but it won't really be tremendously relevant for a little while. Um, there's another question later in the AMA that kind of talks about when that might be something we need to see. Um, so we'll get into that. So so the next question that came up in the AMA um, was, will we see full art promos? And Alex gave a little bit of a cryptic answer. Um, but if you read between the lines, it was it was probably a yes. Um, they they probably have an announcement coming soon or they're working on drafting the uh, the wording of an announcement. But I imagine that, you know, in the next couple news cycles, next couple Tuesdays for them, we'll probably see something about full art promos or it might be something that they have a big reveal planned. So they don't want to, like, you know, really give half the information uh, when they have a whole big reveal planned for it. So I, I understand the cryptic answer for something like that. Um, but the exciting thing is we will be seeing full art promos. Um, or something along those lines. It might not be full art. It'll be some type of promotional thing. But again, we, we talked about this in an episode past a little bit. How would you even do a full art promo since the decks are you know, supposed to have the deck name in the bottom? Yeah, I think with the the Archon cards, and you kind of had brought up a while back with the idea that you could... Like, you're going to have to check these decks in anyway when you go to uh, an official event like a World Tour. Uh, so someone's going to have to va- validate these decks. And if you're playing with a promo card, like and they looking at the deck list and they're like, yeah, well, you know, you know, orbital bombardment full art is in this deck. So, but orbital bombardment, you know, is in the deck. So, okay, cool. Like go have right. fun. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that they'll probably allow for that. Uh, it'd, it'd also be a neat, um, it'd be also be a neat situation of like, maybe uh, I'm going to finger quotes here, fixing decks where you might've damaged a card. You get like, oh, I got the full art promo, yep. you know, and just replace that with That'd that. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, I think that like for the logistics of it, you just you have your um, you would have to bring the originals with you and just show like, hey, uh, one for one to one ratio. Here's the uh, here's all of my full arts. And then I'm going to match them up with their original so that you can see these are all the cards. The contents are all here from the original deck. Right, but I'm excited. I mean, that's consistent with that's that's consistent with their their rules on uh, proxies right. for uh, damage cards too. Yeah. So. so I'm excited. I think it'll be really interesting, um, and it'll be really interesting to see how they do them. Like, will it be the same border, and they just push the art out and kind of eliminate the text box? Uh, will they do something super super fancy that I can't necessarily think of because I'm not an artist? Um, I'm really excited to see what they do with it. I mean, is it even going to be a full art promo? Is it going to be foils? Because they didn't really say full art promo specifically that's what it was going to be they just said cryptic yes to some sort of promotional version of cards um and it was the the questioners uh wording that mentioned full art promo so it'll be interesting to see what they do if it'll be you know something other than what we've seen before yep um so the next question someone asked was how will power levels work for organized play um 
and I lifted this pretty much uh, verbatim. Um, the question, by the way, it was, it was there was a little bit more detail to it. They were concerned, like, are you going to need power levels? Is there, you know, uh, like going to be a minimum? Is there going to be a maximum? How, what, what relevancy do power levels have for organized play? Will you be locked out of things if you do or don't have an appropriate power level um, with your decks? Uh, so this is pretty much verbatim what Alex said as an answer. Currently, we are keen to make all events as open as possible. So for the first season, at least, there will be no power levels required to take part in events. Uh, for example, Storm Prime Championships. However, moving forward, we will be able to set entry requirements for different tiers of tournaments, and this is an exciting future for Keyforge. We can also use power levels as a cap to events. Currently, chain-bound events don't allow decks greater than level 4, and this is a tool we will continue to use at various levels of organized play. So all of that comes down to... There's actually a couple interesting tidbits in here. The first thing that kind of jumped out at me is he mentioned first season. So... That kind of lumps back to what I was talking about earlier with uh, chains falling off of decks after a certain amount of times. I wonder if they'll reset after these seasons. This is the first I've kind of seen about there being a season. And maybe I'm just late to the game and they've mentioned seasons multiple, multiple times. But I think it's the first I've noticed it um, in terms of a wording. So that's kind of interesting and kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I think... I think they've hinted at that. In the yeah. Past, so I mean, they got to do something organized play wise. So, um, but they also mentioned that at least for the first season, there's not going to be power levels. Um, so it's not something we have to worry about right now. I get the, what I take away from this is that they, um, they really want to spend some time feeling out how organized play is going to work, how competitive play will, will go before they really start locking down processes and, decisions as far as how they're going to run things which is good i, I kind of like that they're taking that that organic approach to like well let's see how it goes and then we'll make changes instead of okay we're going to make these uh these things hard and fast uh okay it's been two months and those were terrible decisions let's let's pivot and go the other direction and do this thing and then they swing too hard in that direction and they have to turn back and make half the changes so they've got this pendulum effect of going back and forth between some of their decisions that's just makes organized play unreliable and frustrating for for players i like that they're just taking a sit back and watch approach initially before they make any yeah. decisions about that uh and they're giving it time to kind of develop which is cool yeah just making a way of feeling it out and not over committing yeah. i also i didn't know that chain bound events don't allow decks greater than level four i knew that the thing kind of yeah. stopped at level four but i didn't realize that was just like nope <laughs> if you manage to rack up that many chains your deck is plenty good and you don't need to be playing it i mean yeah i think that that's kind of the idea too right it's like okay you've this is what they were meaning by like you're dominating the meta and we don't want you to dominate the meta with that one deck please switch it up so instead of just kind of working on the honor system of like oh well now you're at you know you're at you know negative four cards at the start of your hand but that deck's still winning like mm, okay like this is just them being like, okay, you've had your fun with this deck. We, yeah. you know, we appreciate it. Please bring it to a, a world tour, because uh, it clearly <laughs> is that good. Uh, but you know, play play something different so someone else can have their yeah. moment in the in the sun kind of thing, which I think is, you know, it it seems a bit controversial. I, I at least I've kind of maybe heard whisperings of it being kind of controversial. But like honestly, I think it's cool. I think it does a lot for. Uh, you know local play well, and and not power level four is like what 24 chains or something uh well i mean you could in theory get to power level four 
and, and have those chains kind of broken up. Like if you had gotten to, cause, cause every time you, you, you hit a chain level, you gain a power level. Right. So, so to hit power level four, you need 19 chains uh, minimum and you get four chains. So, so you get four chains. If you get four wins in a nine or more player slash four round uh, chain bound event. So, Assuming you play once per week at an event that has nine or more players and has four rounds, and you get four wins every time, that's what for uh, five weeks of play. Yeah, I mean, if you are playing at a if you're playing at a store once a week, so that's like and you're playing chainbound. Yeah, so that's five weeks of playing with the same deck over and over and over again with increasing chains. If you get five weeks in and your deck is still like crushing people. Um, it's probably not a bad idea to maybe retire it. It's kind of like playing a fighting game with your friends and you just pick Scorpion and you just keep doing the get over here move over and over and you keep doing the uppercut. And they're like, okay, you know what? You, you've beaten me uh, over and over and over again with Scorpion. Can you maybe like, I don't know, choose literally anything else? To kind of amend what I was saying earlier, you can split it up, especially as you, lo- like you can lose chains, but yeah, it's every tier in which you hit, right? Right. So once you hit 13 chains, it's not like 13 chains all time. It's just like once you hit 13 chains. Right, right, right. So if you you can gain, lose, gain, lose, and it's always the highest your deck was ever at. Uh, It's my understanding. If I'm wrong, definitely let us know. My understanding is even if you you get all the way up to 24 chains, um, power level four, and then you just lose over and over and over again and go back down to zero current chains, it'll still be power level four. Right. The way I had mentioned it earlier was was not entirely correct, but that that is how that works. Gotcha. So moving on to the next question. Will multi-deck variants be available in the GEM software? GEM software, that's the, uh, for those who might not be in the know, that's the software that stores use to run events. And so what they're talking about here about multi-deck variants being available is that currently the GEM software doesn't allow a single person to have multiple decks registered for an event. Uh, they can only have one deck per person. So if you're doing a gauntlet, uh, or if you're doing survival, uh, gauntlet is where you bring, say, three decks, and um, every time you win, you retire that deck. Uh, and then survival is the opposite, where you bring three decks, and every time uh, you lose, uh, you lose a deck. So you kind of keep playing until you run out of decks. Uh, so if yes. you wanted to play either of those formats, or if you wanted to play triad, triad's one where you bring three decks and your opponent can kind of, uh, you have to each you do a best of three, and you end up having to win with, I think, two of your decks because they can choose to ban the third deck. So one way or the other, all of these are multi-deck variants, uh, and right now you can't do them in gem, which is frustrating because some of these are really cool ideas. But they said that they're working on that. They said that the software is in beta right now, and... Um, they're kind of constantly working on updates for it. So hopefully in the very near future, they're going to, to have that, which there's a couple takeaways from that. First and foremost, that they're constantly and currently working on it um, and that they, you know, they're, they're really right on top of getting all this out. Yeah. I, I see the issue, like the, 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 not the issue, but like the, the thing that people are kind of like looking for is like, they want to do like chain bound, you know, survival or adaptive or things like that. And right now, yeah, you can't, you can really only do solo play, uh, chain bound and sealed, which are not chain bound, but archon and sealed seeing chain bound sealed events is still like weird to me, but that sounds like a lot of fun in a, in a really weird way. Yeah, I agree. And it'll be good when they get the other uh, software, but that 
what that kind of tells me too is if they're working on it like i wonder what else they're going to be adding into that like what further functionality are they going to be putting into gem beyond maybe just the tournament schedule if anything maybe it's literally just going to be tournament stuff it'll be interesting if they have other functionality that they're planning on adding into it um even potentially more of a direct link between the the phone app and gem itself would be cool like you could check in remotely almost from your phone along with the deck that you want um, I also, as a side thing here, uh, I found out that multiple people can actually scan the same deck um, into their phone app. It's just the first person to do so is the one that gets the ember. Um, and at first I was kind of like, well, that's weird, but I guess it's to help facilitate, facilitate trading decks. But also, if you just want to track a deck and see how its wins and losses are doing, you can just scan your buddy's deck and then like see how he's doing at a tournament as it updates. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Sorry. You can also watch people's decks in the the app as well. Right, which is which is really neat. Um so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh so the next yeah. question is uh why isn't there a world championship this year? Um and Alex said that they want to give the chance uh, give the game a chance to grow first. Um they want to so the the very first um the very first world championship that they want to do, they want it to be a an invitational. So they want a bigger pool of people to invite for that that first world championship, that first invitational. Uh, and the only way to get that bigger pool of people is to um, let the game go for a little while, uh, which also makes sense to me because they, they probably don't want to rush in and then have a bunch of the much lamented one turn kill decks um, all show up and have the whole thing look like a joke. Um, I, I doubt that would happen, uh, but they didn't, they don't know that ahead of time. You know, when they're printing the game and testing the game, they don't know what's going to happen. So it makes sense for them to hold off on a championship until they kind of get a feel for for the waters, so to speak. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's going to happen in the meantime for events and how they're all going to lead into that invitational. Uh, I'm wondering how you become an invitee. Is it just winning a whole ton? Um, Is it maybe doing a podcast with your buddy? I don't know. (laughs) I think I think they did say it is through like tournament wins. Yeah, but they didn't say it wasn't through podcasting. So, you know, that's true. Just saying it's possible. All right. It is possible. So you're saying there's a chance. Um, so so that was cool, though. It'll, it'll be cool to see that. And um, and with the invitations, that's obviously going to be uh, with a bigger pool means a, a wider selection of talent and decks. Uh, it'll be really interesting, especially come a year from now, depending on how many sets uh, come out, um, probably at least one more past uh, the the upcoming set here um what the card pool is going to look like and what that event will look like with all of those decks available so it'll be really interesting yeah i mean a majority of those at least the the big american ones are going to be during that age of archon time yeah so. ish somewhere around there depending on when they release i mean at least gen con is going to be during that time right so it'll be it'll be a really uh really cool thing to see turn out yep um Someone asked if there's going to be specific support for league play um, where you kind of roll over results. So instead of just one single tournament, you roll over results week to week to week. And then it's it's almost like a multi-week tournament kind of thing. Um, and they, uh, Alex mentioned that it's going to be coming. But for now, stores can just use their organized play kits as prizes for the leagues that they run. Um, so not really a big deal. Yeah, some, uh, some places around here have been doing similar things where they're talking about like, or they've been doing like which house is going to win this week, and they've been like tallying the house wins that way. I I know that they released like a, they actually did release like a poster that you could post for that, and I think 
that's how some of them have been running leagues, but definitely would be interesting to see some official support for leagues. Right. So this question, this next question is interesting. Um, so there's a couple different interesting bits to it. So are one turn kill decks bad for the game in terms of a new player experience? Um, and Alex said new players shouldn't often run into them since any deck capable of a one turn kill. Uh, and, and I should specify it's probably, they probably mean reliable one turn kill, not like magic Christmas land, one turn kill decks where you just happen to get the absolute perfect hand. And it's a one in a hundred chance of that ever happening again, or one in a million chance of that happening again. So these are reliable one turn kill decks um, that, you know, people try to go on crucible and use. Um, and so Alex is saying that new players shouldn't really run into these since these decks will quickly accumulate chains. And as a result, they'll get played less often. I imagine most one turn kill decks uh, probably can't operate with um, three cards on their one turn or two cards on their one turn once they have enough chains. Um, oh, that's not how chains work. So I imagine that, um, you know, most of these one turn kill decks aren't going to be able to go through, you know, seven eight nine turns in a row of being down a card or potentially being down multiple cards um depending on the number of chains they have so i imagine that one turn to kill decks are probably glass cannony in in regards to chains to an extent um and if they are strong enough to just fight through and get 24 chains and just be crushing people consistency then we're right back to where we were talking about your friend playing scorpion uh, all the time when they're playing or eddie gordo they're playing all the time in their fighting game and you're just like oh <laughs> come on man just stop it just pick someone else um i think it's important to note too that we're probably talking about like non-chain bound like you're not you're not going to be going you're probably not going to be going to your local gaming stores uh keyforge night week in and week out with your one turn kill deck and going up against new players honestly new players are probably not going to have um archon events at their local gaming store be their initial experience they're probably going to open a deck and play casually they're going to learn they're going to play a couple games with people um they might do sealed ones um they're probably not going to be sitting down across from someone in an archon tournament at their local game store and then getting crushed by a one turn kill and even if they are, that's one game out of one night. And yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Like, there's no way that they're sitting down and, you know, you're going to hit three one turn kill decks back to back to back. Right. Unless you have the worst luck with your meta, which I'm so I mean, sorry for you. I mean, yeah, like, that's the thing, too, is like, th this is just another one of those like latent magic mindsets that kind of comes in. Where people are like, oh, you know, is this going to be, is this going to be ruinous to the, you know, our local air, like our local meta, because, you know, there's a one turn kill deck in the meta and it's like, okay, well, it's eventually going to go away. And then on top of that, it's not like you can construct your deck. So everyone's, this isn't like showing up to a Friday Night Magic where everyone has, you know, three, $400 decks. Like, right. and you're like, well, I just bought my, you know, my Planeswalker you know pack <laughs> intro showing deck. up to yeah. play friday night magic yeah you know like and and I, I understand so so just to clarify like i'm not i'm not definitely like saying like hey there isn't legitimate concern for like one turn kill and how that can affect your meta but i think it's another one of those the crucible gives 
this kind of this false sense of this is a, a very pro- prolific deck that's out there and then it you know and it's just because yeah and it's this just not. Is where you see it the most yeah you're you're not you're you're playing as random internet strangers and these are these are you're potentially playing against any possible deck that's ever been opened because they could just lift it off of the page or off of the uh, the database and claim it as their own for crucible and you know play it so you you have a much wider you have a much 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 better chance of running into one of these decks on crucible than you ever will in person unless you're talking about regionals nationals uh worlds obviously those bigger tournaments people are going to be bringing out all the stops but the odds of you running into one turn kill decks in the wild especially as a new player like if you're playing in your in your weekly chainbound event, you're probably not coming up against a one turn kill. You might, but again, that's one game out of the night, big deal. One round out of the night. Um, if you're playing casually and someone pulls out a one turn kill deck, knowing that you're new, or if you mention the new, that guy's a total jerk. Like, just don't play with him again. <laughs> and hopefully, they're not the and, only other player. Yeah, and like, and 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 this is like, here's our perspective. Like. We have approximately. I want to. I'll. I'm going to throw out this estimate of ten people, because there are. We have a bunch of regulars, and there's a bunch of people who kind of show, kind of show up, and you know, in and out. We have a, a a meta of like ten people, kind of growing. I think you have the closest to a one turn kill deck out of all, of and us. it's not and, even close. <laughs> and 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 yeah, and it's like I a one turn key deck. Yeah, it's well, it's like I can. I could do like one and a half keys in a single turn with that deck. And that's if I get really lucky off my draws. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think there is this perception that the OTK decks are everywhere. And, and I just don't think that they're as prolific as, as it appears. It's, it's like hearing stories of people getting mugged in New York city and then being afraid to leave your hotel room because you might get mugged just going to the Dunkin' Donuts next door. Like, Okay, you know what? You do get mugged in New York. It happens. It's possible. You're probably not going to get mugged walking five feet down the sidewalk. Right. Anyway, we've we've talked this one to death. So let's uh, let's fair. move on to the next I, one. I, I got another hour in me on this one. If you want, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, a lot of it will be the same material. Um. So on to the next question. Uh, what formats will we see for major championships? Um. Alex said that they want to provide options. But at the same time, they want to kind of restrict things to a degree so that players will have a consistent experience globally. Um, so a player who wins the um, the Nationals in Spain uh, and a player who wins the Nationals in uh, the UK um, aren't going to have, shouldn't, their intention is that those players should not have a drastically different experience to win they should be similar formats or from a a small pool of available formats um and that's probably to kind of curate the the world uh or or whatever event the the major championship event experience so that you know like oh well this person just got lucky in a sealed and that's how they got to worlds whereas this person uh went through like multiple rounds of triad and you know they had to really really push themselves to to get in this guy just got dumb luck um so I, I think that that's probably what they're going for there is that kind of limitation but not completely strict um i think they'll probably split those two i think you'll have sealed tournaments because it's just a different play style right totally and like, it's more luck dependent there's skill right. there's, so, uh, there's obviously skill but 
at a certain point, you take two players uh, of equal or comparable skill, and it's going to come down to who got a luckier deck, and as well as who gets luckier draws. It'll be interesting to to see how that all turns out. Right. And they did say that there's more info to come. So it, it's very vague, but it's deliberately vague because I imagine they haven't locked things in yet. And it's it, there's nothing quite definite. And they're still figuring it out. I imagine a lot of what they're trying to figure out is the logistics and just what formats are going to be appropriately competitive. Um, because they like they like I said, they want to offer it sounds like they want to offer more than one format as an option um, so that if your area, if your region uh prefers a particular format that's really popular that might be available as opposed to no everyone has to do triad everyone has to do archon you know whatever adaptive uh you know whatever format they don't i don't i don't get the impression they really want to lock it in at least yet right. maybe they change their mind down the road but which is interesting it's kind of cool that they they're like no we want to kind of give a little bit of variety if at all possible um so uh the last question that was in here um was what does the tournament track for organized play look like um it's actually available uh if you go to the fantasy flight games news area they talk about uh the future of organized plays one of their news articles yeah we had talked about this a little bit yeah we kind of briefly talked about it um we have the seasonal kits, open play nights. Um, they're talking about how they're changing the naming conventions of their, you know, their different events and everything. Um, it looks like at the lowest level, you're going to have store championships. Um, then you have above that prime championships. Uh, these were um, previously known as regionals. Um, after regionals, it goes to, well, sorry, after prime championships slash regionals, it goes to grand championships. Uh, which are or formerly known as nationals. It says in here, grand championships are high-level events that take place uh, only once per year per nation or territory. Um, they feature top-level prizes, and they qualify the top four players to the game's next world championship, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, after that comes continental championships, which are interna- uh, international events. Um, and then after that comes worlds. So it looks like the path here is that you will use store championships to kind of um hone your deck test yourself uh get your competitive skills up to par and then you'll go to and i'm going to use the original names for these uh, instead of the new names um you go region nation uh continent and then world which is interesting um i mean it's pretty standard but it's it's kind of cool yeah um, agreed but they have it like worked out a little bit what the path is so even though they're not going to do a Worlds until next year, they've still got, you know, like you still know your path and you know what to look out for for events. Yeah, it'll be kind of fun to watch this play out through the rest of the year and then see what happens next year, especially since that's when, you know, Worlds, like they actually plan to have a world uh, Worlds. So this is definitely going to be, like we kind of said earlier, the run up to, you know, 2020. Uh, you're going to see... So one thing that they, I think they've alluded to is that they're going to try to have more chain-bound events, or not chain-bound events, but Vault Tour events next year. Uh, they, Or I might have even heard that there was something about this year too, but I'm not entirely sure about that. Again, send it in. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, but they, I think this was them trying to just do that initial run to make sure that you know they kind of have everything in lockstep. I'd actually prefer them to do this at a slower pace than they would, or or then to just like fully out of this excitement and just be like, this is a great time. This is a, 
you know, you know, we're going to have all these cool prizes and we're going to have all these events everywhere. And then it kind of ends up like the in card game equivalent of fire festival. <laughs> oh man. Ouch. So like, well, that, but that, that's what I want. I, that's not what I want to see. Right. Like, right. I mean, I've been, I've been a person who's been involved in land parties forever and, and you get like those public land parties. You have that like situation where it's just like, a lot of hype driven around this game or, or this land party, like all kinds of cool stuff's going to happen. And then when you show up and it's like, Oh, this was not what I was expecting at all. Uh, you know, you're just, you kind of end up leaving that, that party a little underwhelmed. Um, so that's what I don't want them to do. I'd rather see them take this much more reserved approach and, you know, get it right the year the game comes out. And then 2019 just, crank it out of the park yeah absolutely yeah i'd rather i'd rather see them take some time and get it right just like you said i'm on, totally on the same yeah. page i can wait for something solid and and thought through uh, instead of you know trying to like i want something now and i want it i don't care if it's half-baked so uh moving on to the, the last bit here uh as we said at the top of the show uh we still have some tokens to give away from strategic dino uh they are his stun tokens probably just do the same thing and and we'll just pick from the same list that we had from the previous giveaway we'll just take the person out that one and um uh so same difference same, or same deal uh you can either share the post on facebook or retweet it uh using the uh hashtag Hashtag keychains dino, and then we'll randomly pick somebody from those lists and send them out uh, immediately after that. What we'll probably do is we'll probably wait for both to get picked, and then I'll just send them out to the winners the same week. Uh, yeah, I agree. Especially with our recording, we won't necessarily know and be able to announce the winners <laughs> right. until uh, until both of them are <laughs> are determined. Uh, so yeah, so again, like you can find uh, Steve over at strategicdino.com, like. I said I placed a big order with him because I just I really like his stuff, so I want to see him keep getting that uh, support there. Definitely, uh, the this is limited to um, the U.S. only. Correct. Sorry, um, partially shipping, and also I think that contest stuff is really weird when you start crossing borders, uh, and I we're we're just big dummies, and we we don't have the brain power to figure that <laughs> stuff out, so. Um, apologies to anyone outside of the US. Hey, feel free to still uh, share, retweet, um, you know, our stuff. We just, you know, can't give you anything for it besides our love and affection. And still feel free to buy stuff from uh, from Steve at Strategic Dino because he's yeah. If you, you know what, if if you don't win the giveaway, um, I say you just go and buy stuff from him out of spite to us. Like I'll show you guys. You don't <laughs> want to give me. You don't want to give me stun and armor tokens. I'll just go buy my own. And I don't need you guys for anything. Amber shards and empower yourself yeah. by buying your own tokens. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think, uh, so again, you know, come like us on Twitter or Facebook at uh, keychains pod. And then if you have any questions, want to tell us how we mispronounced your city's name wrong, uh, or <laughs> anything like that, you can send us an email at keychainspod at gmail.com. Uh, do you have anything else you want to mention, Ryan? Uh, no, I mean, you can hit us up on Twitter. Um, I don't know if you mentioned Twitter. I did mention Twitter. I think, yeah, because that was in the giveaway. So I suppose, you know, maybe I should have been listening to what you were saying instead of playing on my phone. Uh, it, no. Also, <laughs> I mentioned it uh, in, in the, the closing as well. 
hey, do you think we should tell people that they can follow us on Twitter? You uh, know sure, what? Why not? Why don't Guys, you, you can follow us on Twitter at keychainspod. Uh, so, you know, do that. Yeah, Instagram's coming. All right. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> Take care.